This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Need basic information on legal rights on topics like employment, consumer or tenancy issues? Then join Luke and Julia on Lawfully Speaking, next on Plains FM 96.9. Welcome to another episode of Lawfully Speaking with Luke. Um, today we're going to be talking a little bit of family law rights and um, just going through, um, we're going to start off with going through civil unions and kind of just talking about who can enter into a civil union and we're going to kind of move on from there to some other um, some other issues, potentially like ending, ending relationships and what, what that looks like and what our rights are in those areas. So just to start off, so civil unions, um, who, who can enter into a civil union? Um, a civil union is a formalized legal relationship um, similar to marriage. A couple can enter into a civil union whether they're the same sex or different sexes. Um, and this was introduced in 2005. Um, you can enter a civil union if uh, neither of you is currently married or is in a civil union with someone else. Um, you're both 16 or older. However, if either of you are 16 or 17, that person will need permission from his or her parents. Additionally, um, you're not closely related by blood, marriage, civil union, or adoption. Um, and these are there's a list of these kinds of relationships uh, which are forbidden um, within the Act. So specifically, how do you enter into a civil union? So you need to get a civil union license. Um, then you'll have a formal cer- ceremony uh, before either a registrar or a civil unions um, or approved civil union celebrant. Uh, first, you'll need to lodge a notice of independent civil union with the registrar. Um, you can download a copy of this. Um, it's easiest just to search online using the name of the form. The notice includes a statutory declaration, um, which one of, one of you will have to sign in front of a register of civil unions um, at births, uh, deaths, and marriages office. You'll have to pay a fee as well. So the registrar will give you a civil union license, usually three days after you've provided them with a civil union notice. So the civil union ceremony, you have the, you'll have to have the ceremony within three months after you get the civil union license. Uh, the ceremony can be carried out by registrar or civil union's um, registry office during ordinary business hours or by an approved civil union celebrant after some, uh, at some other place um, any time of the day of the week. So how does the civil union f- formally end? So a civil union formally comes to an end when the family court issues a dissolution um, or divorce order, the same as uh, with a marriage. So changing a civil union into a marriage. You and your civil union partner can change the form of your relationship to a marriage without first having to dissolve your civil union. You start the process by completing a notice of intended marriage change of relationship from civil union. And again, a form will be available for that as well. So the next thing we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about um, de facto relationships. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, what those are and kind of how how they work and what they mean. So for most areas of law, de facto partners now have the same status as people who are married or are in a civil union. 
For example, when a de facto couple splits up, the laws that deal with how their property is divided are largely the same as the laws for married and civil union couples. So this is kind of actually a really important thing for us to be aware of as we're entering relationships. Similarly, the Care of Children's Act 2004 generally treats de facto partners the same as married couples. For example, the de facto partner of a child's parent is entitled to apply for a parenting order for the child, as the married spouse of a parent can apply for one. However, the exact definition of a de facto relationship can vary from act to act, um, and we'll kind of talk about that. So what exactly is a de facto relationship as defined by law? So a de facto relationship is a relationship between two people, whether of the same sex or different sexes, who live together as a couple, but who aren't married or in a civil union. For the relationship to be legally recognized, however, both must be of a certain age, and this age can vary depending on their particular area of law. For example, there's a general de definition of a de facto relationship in the in Interpretation Act, which includes a requirement that both people must be at least 16, and that 16 and 17-year-olds need the consent of their parents. This definition applies to areas of law like the Care of Children Act, which doesn't have its own definition of a de facto relationship. On the other hand, the Property Relationship Act, which deals with how property is divided when a couple breaks up, does have its own definition of what a de facto relationship is. This says both partners must be at least 18 for the relationship to be recognized under the Act. So when it comes to dividing up property, it's the minimum age of 18 that applies. The Property Relationship Act also sets out a number of specific factors for the court to consider when deciding whether two people have in fact been living together in a de facto relationship, such as whether they live in the same house, whether they have a sexual relationship, and how long the relationship uh, and how the relationship appears to other people. So how do de facto relationships begin and end? So de facto relationships are unlike marriages and civil unions because no formal legal steps are necessary to begin or end a de facto relationship. The two partners simply start or stop living together as a couple. So just in the context of um, marriages, we're going to talk about uh, forced marriages. So just so everyone's aware, there are laws to protect, protect specifically against forced marriages. So a number of laws in New Zealand um, address directly or indirectly the problem of forced marriages of girls and young women. Of course, forcing someone to have sex is a crime. It's also a crime to have sex with someone under the age of 16, whether they in fact consent or not. In line with the age of consent law for having sex, people under 16 can't get married. Also, apart from the question of age, if whether if you're getting forced into getting married and didn't generally agree to it, the marriage is legally void. This means that it legally doesn't exist and, and you're still single. To make things clear, you can also go to the family court to get an order um, declaring that the marriage doesn't legally exist. The law dealing with 16 and 17-year-olds can get married was changed in August 2018 in response to concerns about forced marriages in New Zealand. Before then, a 16 or 17-year-old could get married if the parents agreed the law changed um, took this power away from the parents and gave it to the family court. So on average, um, there have been 80 marriages in a year involving um, 16 or 17-year-olds. Around 80% of those 16 or 17-year-olds have been female. So 16 and 17-year-olds needs a judge's permission to get married. So if you um, 
if one or both of you are 16 or 17 and you want to get married, you'll need to f apply formally to the family court to get permission from a judge. To make sure you're not being forced into marriage, the judge will only give permission if they're satisfied of the following. You're applying for permission voluntarily without being forced or pressured to do it. And you understand that you're asking the judge uh, what you're asking the judge to do, and you genuinely want the, you genuinely want the judge to give permission. And the marriage will be in your best interest. In deciding whether the marriage is in your best interest, the judge has to take into account hold, how old you are, how mature you are, and what you and what you think about the marriage and what's in your best interests, what your parents think, and any other relevant information available to the judge at the time. The judge can appoint a lawyer to represent you, and the government will pay the lawyer's fees. If the judge thinks um, it will be essential for deciding the case, they can also get a qualified person to provide a cultural report to explain the aspects of your culture and a religious background. However, the judge has to take into account whether you think the report is a good idea. Okay, so now we're going to uh, jump forward to making a separation agreement. So first off, why make a separation agreement? So a separation agreement is an agreement that says that you and your spouse or partner have decided to live apart. You don't have to have a separation agreement, um, but you, it can be a useful record of the decisions the two of you make when you separate. Um, for example, on agreements for the care of children, how you'll divide up your property, any agreement for maintenance or financial support by one of you for the other um, for the children. This agreement usually includes the date on which the, you agreed to separate, if the two of you are married or in a civil union or later decide to apply for a divorce um, or dissolution, you can use the separa separation agreement as evidence that you've decided to live apart for a necessary two years, which is, again, a, a, an essential part of getting a divorce. So how do we make a separation agreement? So you can write up uh, your own separation agreement. But if your agreement is going to deal with relationship property, it has to follow the form required by the Property Relationship Act. Um, and this is the, the form that is required by, by that act. So it has to be in writing and signed by each of you. Each of you must have, have uh, independent legal advice about it. Each of you, um, your signatures must be witnessed by a lawyer. And the lawyer who witnesses your signatures has to certify that they explain to you about the effect and implications of that agreement. So I'm just going to note here that you can register your separation agreement with the family court as a consent order. This means that if anything goes wrong, it can be enforced in the same way as a regular court order. So um, we're just going to talk about what is a separation order. Um, so the law dealing with couples and breakups still formally includes the concept of a separation order. This is an order made by a family court judge saying that there is such a state of disharmony between a married or civil union couple that there's no obligation for them to live together. So just so we know, separation orders are um, now almost never made as they're an old-fashioned concept that has little relevance to modern New Zealand life. It's unlikely that any court today would ever recognize that two people have a legal obligation to live together, whether or not a separation order has been made. By contrast, separation agreements, um, which we just discussed, continue to be used as a practical way for couples to record the decisions they make when they split up. So if we want to end a marriage or a civil union, it's important to know that you'll need to apply to the family court for a dissolution, uh, which we've kind of mentioned before which is the, basically the legal term for divorce. Now there's 
Nowadays, there's a, basically only one requirement that has to be satisfied for you to get this uh, dissolution. Um, and that's that uh, we've mentioned this a little bit earlier, but the two of you have to have been living apart for two years. That's why making um, one of the uh, one of the orders we mentioned earlier can kind of uh, be great legal proof that that's um, that that process has uh, been um, undertaken. So we're going to talk about the requirements for getting a dissolution now. Um, we mentioned earlier. Um, the only ground for getting a dissolution is an irreconcilable breakdown of the marriage or civil union. Uh, in order to establish this, the court has to be satisfied that two of you are living apart and have been living apart for at least two years. In New Zealand, you don't have to show anything else. For example, if you want a dissolution, you don't have to show that any other person is at fault in some way. The, again, in New Zealand, that sort of thing is irrelevant. You can't shorten the two-year separation requirement, even if both of you agree that you want to get a divorce straight away, unfortunately. So if you have children under 16, the judge also has to be satisfied that you've made the agreements for their care, including day-to-day -day care and financial support. So these are details that the judge is going to specifically look at to make sure that you um, have, have worked out and have, have answers to. So proof that the parties have been living apart for two years can be proved by, um, you know, we talked about it uh, a before a separation agreement, which can be either be spoken or written, or separation order, but again, like we talked about, they're not they're not used much nowadays. Additionally, an affidavit, which is a sworn statement from either or both of you saying that you've lived apart for two years, or independent evidence like an affidavit from someone who knows you um, would would do as well. Um, so, what if you've gotten back together for a while during the last two years? You can still satisfy the two-year separation requirement even if you've lived together for a while during those two years to try to work things out, so long as this wasn't for more than three months. Um, you can even get back together more than once as long as the total time is not more than three months. The law doesn't assume that you've started living together again just because you have had sex again um, after separating. So how do we go about applying for a dissolution? Um, the two of you can apply for a dissolution order together, or uh, one can you one of you can apply individually alone. If you're part of the family court, you can get copies of the application form from the family court, or you can download them um, from Community Law Manual website. So applying for a dissolution is relatively simple, and you don't need a lawyer. Making a joint application together is a simpler and faster way. It can usually be dealt with by the family court registrar without a hearing and without you having to go into the court at all. A, sing a single application is when you apply for dissolution on your own, which might be because your ex-partner doesn't agree to the dissolution or because you don't know where they are. With a single application, the process is a little more involved. At the time the application is made, at least one of you must be living in New Zealand. It's just important to note here, often when an application has been made for dissolution and the couple have children, the family court will refer to the couple to attend a parenting through separation course, which is a, a requirement that you, that you do that course. So how much does it cost to apply for a dissolution? So you'll have to pay a filing fee of uh, $211.50. Uh, um, either party chooses to see a lawyer, they will also have to pay their legal fees. Um, legal aid is not available for dissolution itself, but may be available for other related family issues, such as care of children or relationship property disputes. Um, so applying together, uh, so joint applications, how do we make a joint application for dissolution? 
Um, so this would be um, applicable in a situation where both of you agree to getting a, a divorce or a dissolution, and you can make an application um, between you. Um, joint applications are simpler and faster and can usually be dealt with by the family court registrar without a hearing and without he, you having to go to court, as we, as we talked about earlier. So you'll need to complete the following documents um, and then file them with the family court. Um, so these documents are a joint application order dissolving marriage or civil union. So this is a FP13 form. Um, here you should include details of the agreements you've made for the care and financial support of your children um, if you have them. You'll also need an affidavit to accompany the joint application for order dissolving the marriage or civil union. Um, so this form is uh, FP14. An affidavit is a written statement setting out the facts that support your application, um, which have, uh, that you've been living apart for two years and that you've made arrangements for your children. The affidavit has to be signed and sworn um, or affirmed in front of a lawyer or justice of the peace or court registrar. Um, you also need an information sheet, um, which is a G7. Um, you can download these forms, again, at the website mentioned above, um, or you can go to www.justice.gov.nz slash family slash separation divorce slash apply for a divorce. You also have to attach these documents to the affidavit. Your original marriage or civil union certificate or a certified copy of the certificate marked as Exhibit A and any separation agreement or separation order, but these are um, very rare and these would be marked as Exhibit B. Um, so single applications, how do I make a single application? Um, is when you, again, apply on your own. You'll need to complete the following documents and file them to the family court just as you would for a, a joint application. So an application um, dissolving marriage, um, here you should include details again of the arrangements you've made for the care and financial support of the children if you have them. And again, this is another you'll, uh, affidavit to accompany the application, as well as, again, the information sheet and the notice to respondent. The notice to respondent is the new one. This is basically um, a notice that's given to the, to the other party. Again, you can download um, the first three of these forms as a single pack um, from www.justice.gov.nz slash family slash separation divorce slash apply for a divorce. You also have to attach the following documents to your affidavit, um, the original marriage or civil union certificate, a certified copy of the certificate, um, this would be marked as Exhibit A, any separation agreement for, um, or separation order, um, again, the, these are rare. Giving the other person a copy of the application or serving them. Once you've taken the documents to the family court, if you are the person applying a loan for dissolution, you must arrange for copies of the application and other documents listed above to be given to the person, um, your spouse or civil union partner. They would be the respondent in this case. The documents cannot be posted to the respondent. This is the case even if the party is living overseas. A copy of the application must be personally served on the other party by someone other than the applicant. It is preferable that the person serving the application um, knows the other party, but if this is not possible, someone over the age of 18 can be the server. If the applicant wants to do so, they can pay for a private investigator, um, process server, or bailiff to serve the documents. 
So the copy, just to note that the copy of the application for dissolution cannot be served on a Sunday, Anzac Day, um, which is the 25th of April, Christmas Day, or New Year's Day. Um, to show the application has been served, the server must complete an affidavit of service um, stating that the documents were served and on what date they were served. If the server knows the other person, the affidavit must state how the server knows them. If the server doesn't know the other person, the server must prove that the documents were served on the correct person by attaching to the affidavit either written acknowledgment, acknowledgments proved to be in the handwriting of the applicant's spouse or civil partner or a satisfactory photograph of the applicant's spouse or civil partner. Once the copy of the application has been served, sworn affidavit of um, service should be returned to the court. So finally, what happens if you don't know where the other person is? So if you don't know where your spouse or civil partner is, you'll need to make an application um, for substituted service or an application to dispense with service. The court will then consider whether there are other ways to, um, that service can be given uh, effect. For example, the court might consider it sufficient for the application uh, for dissolution to be served on a family member of your spouse or civil union partner. Or notice of the application is given by advertising in newspapers, um, where it's thought that that other party might actually see them. So this is a more complex process, and you as the applicant will probably need the assistance of a family lawyer. This is why we kind of get into um, a little bit of detail why it's easier to uh, make a joint application. Um, because, again, if it's not a joint application, you'll, you will have to need to go through this process of, of serving notice. So what if the other person doesn't want a dissolution? If one partner disagrees with the dissolution and wishes to appear in front of a judge or defend the proceedings, the party must either file a request in an appearance form or file a defense. Um, within 20 days, 21 days rather, have been served with a copy of the application for dissolution. It's difficult for one partner to defend an application for dissolution order unless they can show that they and their partner have not been separated for at least two years. It won't be enough that one partner merely does not want the relationship to end. So I think that's actually um, a good place to end it. Um, hopefully we've kind of touched on some of uh, the initial family issues that we might kind of uh, encounter as we either go to form a relationship or we go to end a relationship. So next month we'll be um, covering a little bit more on the family law topic. So we'll be getting into, um, uh, again, some other issues that, that might result uh, kind of Come into um, come into importance as we kind of go through that process. I really appreciate everyone uh, listening. Uh, hopefully, you found this information um, helpful uh, and, and not too dry. Um, again, I'll catch you all next month. Thank you for listening. Cheers. <laughs>